Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Com and definitely check out those shows as well. Cassie Holmes is the author of Happier Hour, How to Beat Distraction, Expand Your Time, and Focus on What Matters Most. This was guest hosted by Allison Pataki. Cassie is a professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Management, where she is an award-winning teacher and researcher. Holmes's work on the intersection of time and happiness has been widely published in lead academic journals and featured in such outlets as NPR, The Economist, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, and more. Happier Hour is her first book. Allison Pataki here with Cassie Holmes, the author of the incredible book, Happier Hour, How to Beat Distraction, expand your time, 
and focus on what matters most. Cassie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, good morning. Hi, Allison. It's a treat. Oh, the treat, the treat is ours, I can assure you. And the, the humor is not lost on me that this is a book, Happier Hour, about how to optimize our time for what matters most for a podcast called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think we have listeners who are primed and ready for this topic. <laughs> exactly. The good thing is that there's also the audio version. So while, you know, moms are driving kids around and folding laundry, you can also listen to it. Perfect. Bundling activities, right? We'll we'll get exactly. into that. We'll get into yeah. that. So this is an incredible book. It's an incredible tool. It's a re- it's a resource that I think people will just relish having. Thank you so much for writing it. Can you tell us how and why you came to write Happier Hour? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, it sort of was born out of a day that I'm sure many can empathize with earlier in my career when I was a professor at Wharton. I had just one of those crazy days. I'd gone up to New York uh, to give a talk and my presentation was sandwiched in between these back-to-back meetings. And then I had this like colleague dinner and I was rushing to reach and catch the very last train that would get me home to my four-month-old and my husband who were uh, back in Philly. And I did make the train, but I remember sitting on the train that night, looking out the window as everything, the sort of darkness was whizzing by. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep up between the pressures of work, wanting to be a good parent, wanting to be a good partner, wanting to be a good friend, the never ending to-do list and pile of chores waiting for me at home. There simply weren't enough hours in the day to do it all, let alone to do any of it well, let alone to enjoy any of it along the way. And I was like, (laughs) what I now know what I was feeling was time for, and I've gone on to study this and it's prevalent. It wasn't just me on the train that night. It's not just us in that particular day. We find that nearly half of Americans feel like they don't have enough time, moms in particular, working moms in particular. And it's bad because it has these negative consequences, which I was feeling on the train that night, just stressed, overwhelmed, and unhappy. And I remember thinking like, (laughs) the answer is obvious. What I should do is quit my job and move to a sunny, slow-paced island somewhere where I'd have a whole lot more time because then I would be happier. But in fact, that is an empirical question. I was like, would I be happier if we had a whole lot more time? Are people who have endless hours to spend exactly how they want, are they happier? And our research actually suggests that no, that's not the case. Yes, having too little time is bad, but we actually found, on the other hand, there's such thing as having too much time where when people have days, all the hours of their days with nothing to show for it, they feel unproductive and that undermines our sense of purpose and satisfaction. And so actually in the pattern of results that we found, there was sort of like a flatness of, so too little is bad, too much is bad. But in between what we realize is, is it's not actually how much time you have. It's really how you invest the time you have that leads to happiness. And so I was like, okay, 
instead of quitting my sort of dream job as a tenure track professor, I will shift my research agenda to try to figure out empirically, how should we be investing the hours of our days so that we feel happy and fulfilled looking back on our days, looking back on our weeks, as opposed to depleted and exhausted and dissatisfied. And so that's what led me to do the research. And then I was like, nobody reads academic journal articles, but there's a lot of insights here. So I'm like, I want to just help sort of spread this to folks. So I developed a course that I've been teaching to our MBAs for the last few years and seeing the impact it's had on their life. When I was approached to write a book, since not everyone can take my class, I was like, yes, because there are these empirically based learnings. There are these assignments and exercises that we can do. Anyone can do, moms can do (laughs) to um, feel happier in their days. Oh my goodness. I'm so thankful to you that we all basically get to do like a crash course in your class now, because that, that is really <laughs> what it felt like. So, and it is, you didn't, you didn't quit your job, but you did, you did move somewhere sunnier. That was important to you, right? You did make a uh, move while you were writing this book, not to an Island though, right? Not to an Island. And yes, there is a beach closer by than when I was in Philly. So I did, um, we moved to now I'm, I'm now at UCLA I'm a San Diegan, so moving back to Southern California and sunshine. But I think <laughs> beyond, while I am so happy here, in addition to the sunshine and being back closer to home, it's actually I've been implementing all of these learnings that I've discovered in my work. And so I live it. And I, yes, my life is busy, my days are hectic, but I am happy and satisfied. Yeah. And you make a very strong case in this book why being happy and satisfied is such a worthwhile goal, why it matters to put emphasis on being happy in your life. Can you talk about that yeah, a little bit? Totally. And it's it's not indulgent nor frivolous. And sometimes that term happy, uh, particularly for us moms who sort of put everyone else before us, it's like it might even seem selfish to care about our emotional well-being, but there is tons of data to suggest just how important it is for us as individuals to feel happy. When we feel happier, we are more creative. We are more adaptive in our problem solving. It makes us more motivated in all that we set out to do. It increases our even confidence in all that we set out to do, as well as it makes us nicer. So to all those people around us whose interests we're putting before ours, if we're not taking care of our emotional well-being, then we're not going to show up very nicely. <laughs> so totally. And totally. it fits them too. And so there, it is absolutely important. And I actually think that the, I used to have to motivate happiness more, um, particularly in a business school context, but I... It, it doesn't require quite as much motivation now that the last couple of years have taught us just how important our emotional well-being with anxiety rates as high as they are, depression rates as high as they are, burnout rates as high as they are. We are all recognizing individually as well as um, within organizations and firms, um, but also at a societal level, just how important our emotional well-being is. And what is great to know is that the research also shows that we have some 
control over our happiness. There are things that we can do. Yes, some of our happiness is not open to control. We have our inherited disposition, you know, your sort of natural (laughs) personality that has some influence as do um, circumstances that we don't have a whole lot of control over. But what we do have control over is how we spend our time, what we think about and do in our day-to-day. And there is research, including the research that I've done to inform, okay, so how should we be spending our time? How should we be thinking about our time so that we can feel more joyful in our days and more satisfied about our lives? So how should we be? What did you find? What did you uncover? How should we be spending? (laughs) You talk about, you know, you're, you're teaching MBA students how to make money, but that our time is actually our most valuable resource in terms of the quality of our life. So how should we be spending our time? Yeah. And while I leave it to my colleagues to teach their MBAs how to make money, I <laughs> teach them how to spend their time so that they're happier and will, will like live um, careers and lives that are fulfilling. So I think that the the goal is sort of like the overarching framework maybe is to maximize the amount of time you spend on worthwhile activities. So those activities that bring you joy, that feel fulfilling, minimizing the time you spend wait that feels wasteful. And also while you're spending your time on those worthwhile activities, on those joyful activities, not being distracted, <laughs> paying attention so that you're actually getting the happiness from that time that you're already spending. So then the question is, well, what are those worthwhile activities? And there is research that sort of points to, on average, what activities lead to greater happiness. But I think more helpfully are the exercises that lead you, each individual, to identify for themselves what are those activities that are the most worthwhile and fulfilling for you. One of the exercises that I think is so helpful is the time tracking exercise. And so this is over the course of a week, and there's a helpful worksheet on my website. You write down, how are you spending your time? What activity are you doing? And not broadly, like I'm with my kids or I'm at work, but more specifically, what are you doing with your kids? What's that activity that you're doing with your kids? What project are you doing for work? So that, um, and then in addition to writing down what you're doing um, over the course of the week, as you come out of that activity for each half hour, you rate on a 10-point scale. How do you feel? How did that activity make you feel? How happy, satisfied, fulfilled, so that you get, at the end of the week, you have this amazing personalized data set that you can look for yourself. What are those activities that got your highest ratings? So what are your happiest activities? And something you can look at is what are the commonalities across your happiest activities? You might pull out, for instance, I really love one-on-one time. So like the research says socializing Mm -hmm. is our happiest activity. Well, what type of socializing? And there's individual differences in what are those activities that really make you feel a genuine sense of connection and belonging. So you can identify those. Maybe it's like, oh my gosh, I tend to be happy when I am outside. Across my activities, I tend to be outside, which is also in line with research that shows that we're happier outside. It also allows you to see what are those least happy activities, as well as just how much time 
you're spending across these various activities. Mm -hmm. So you can identify like, holy cow, I had no idea that I was spending 10 hours each week on social media. (laughs) And that is one that it's like, it's it's always a surprising thing because it's like, oh, I'll just check for a few minutes here. Those few minutes turn into like a half hour. Those half hours add up to like a dozen hours over the course of the week. And the ratings, if you look at your own ratings, you're like, that's like a four out of a 10. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much time on this thing that's not even necessary, not even that fun. Yeah, I don't feel like I have time to spend on the 10 or nine or 10 type activities, like meeting up with a girlfriend for drinks or dinner. So that information alone is really helpful to, okay, going forward, how do you, given that you now know what types of activities are even specific activities that are so important and worthwhile for you, prioritizing those, putting those in your schedule first, and then there will be other, everything else will fill, but also it's helpful for you to recognize, which actually we already alluded to, there are just some activities that aren't so fun, mm-hmm. but that you do have to do, like mm-hmm. the chores, mm-hmm. like driving around, mm-hmm. <laughs> like whether commuting to work or driving your kids to school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, how can you actually, one strategy to make those activities that feel sort of like a waste of time that you're just trying to move through, how do you make them more fulfilling? something wasteful, feel more worthwhile, will you bundle it with something, another activity that is worthwhile? So like, actually, when people feel time poor, I have people complete the sentence, I don't have time to. One of the primary things they say they don't have time to do, which is very in line with the name of this podcast, is I don't have time to read for pleasure, right? But if you bundle listening to an audiobook every time you're in the car, then every week you get through a book. And so it turns that time that you're trying to get through and wasteful time into worthwhile time. And also in the car, actually listening. If you have kids in the car, we have a lot of fun listening to audiobooks together. Or, and then there's other strategies of turning something that's a routine into a ritual. So you could even make the car ride with your kids, something that's just sort of a mindless routine. If you can ritualize it, then all of a sudden it makes it more special. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. 
it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Yeah. The time tracker exercise you put in the book is so helpful and so illuminating. And you also include for the readers sort of benefit as an example, your own sample of your week. And you went through and you got very (laughs) granular too. Um, And then you you talk, I mean, that was just, that was so, so helpful and amazing. But you also talk about the importance of being present in what you are doing and being present when you are with other people or you're doing an activity. And you talk about the fact that a lot of us are walking around distracted for like a full half of our lives, like 40, yeah. 40 something percent of the time people admit that they are distracted. What do we do about that, Cassie? How do we, how do we help ourselves know. to be less distracted and to be more present in these moments and as a result in our lives? Yeah. And it's such an important question because yeah, as you noted, the research shows that we are distracted about 47% of the time. And also we are less happy when we are distracted, Mm -hmm. which is bad. Mm -hmm. And then also when you're recognizing that you are spending time in ways that actually are really potentially joyful, but if you're not paying attention, then you're missing the happiness that's right there. And one way to sort of make this really salient and poignant is if you reflect back on your past week or two weeks even, what was an experience that brought you incredible joy? Oftentimes when people think about that, it's these really simple moments. Like, And there's such simple everyday moments that we expect they will continue to happen every day. And so we take them for granted. Of course, we are distracted. And yet, if you were to count how many times you have left to do that activity. So an example from my own life and in the book, as you noted, there was a lot of stories from me as well as anecdotes from my students, mostly to bring the empirics to life to make them really feel concrete and relevant. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the examples from my life is my morning coffee date. Once a week, my coffee date with my daughter, Lita. And this is something that's super regular. We do it once a week. (laughs) And yeah, it's really joyful because it is 30 minutes where it's just the two of us hanging out, like amidst the busyness of everything. This is just time. She has her hot chocolate. I have my 
flat white. We have our croissants. We're at a coffee shop. And it is just this time that we are together. And I calculated. So it's it's regular. So it could be like, you know, of course, we'll always have our coffee dates. But no, I calculated. So the first thing is count how many times you've done it in your life thus far. And I calculated, including when I was on maternity leave, and I would bundle her up you know, throw in the stroller and go to the coffee shop because that was like my way of sanity. Mm-hmm. And then adding those with our weekly coffee dates since we've had about 400 coffee dates together so far. Then I calculated ex- how many we'll have in the future. Knowing she's seven now, in about five years, she'll probably rather go to the coffee shop with her friends than me. Mm-hmm. And she's going to go off to college and then probably live across the country. And I calculated we have probably about 230 coffee dates left Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. The percentage, we have only 35% of our coffee dates together left. That's less than half. And she's only seven. Mm -hmm. So what does that lead me to recognize? Well, it makes me prioritize that time, carve out the time that no matter how busy a week is, Yes, we are going to go to the coffee shop together. Mm-hmm. So we make the time. But I think even more so, what it makes me do is pay attention. Mm. This time is precious. Mm. It mm. is not so every day that it will continue to happen every day. These are these moments that are the, like our life. And when you ask me, like, am I happy? I'm like, yes. Why? Because I have these really a really wonderful relationship with my daughter. I also do with my son and my husband. So it's, this is just one of the examples of how this plays out. But these 30 minutes bring me such intense joy. And so like on our coffee shop, of course, my phone goes away, right? That to-do list that is always cycling through the back of our minds as moms, right? That gets quieted because this is our time together. So In terms of, so one thing is turning something routine into a ritual, recognizing that our time is in fact limited, draws our attention to it, makes us savor it more, recognizing how precious, making us pay attention. Another just really practical thing is putting the phone away. (laughs) Research shows that simply having a phone on the table when you're dining with friends makes you enjoy that experience less because you're more distracted. The mere presence of your phone, you're not even not being on it. So doing these things that like putting your phone away to remove the distraction, like mentally carving out that time that this is time for me to be with my daughter, that also removes the distractions. Unbelievable. Yes. And you talk about, you know, you're talking about meaning and what makes life meaningful. And you, you give this great sort of zoom out where you say, when we have these encounters with more, our own mortality or the finite nature of life, it, it prompts us to sort of put everything in a focus and think, okay, take a bird's eye view of life, you say, and think about how you want the eulogies to be at the end of your life. And that, that yeah. you should live every day sort of informed with that as uh, one of the, your, your guiding lights, you know, that our time here, as you said, is lim- limited and we do want to get the greatest meaning from life. Yeah. And it's super important. So while the title of the book is Happier Hour, it is actually the perspective 
taking our research shows that when you take that broader perspective of time, thinking about your years and your life overall instead of hour by hour, what that does is it helps identify what is important. And um, the eulogy exercise, which some of my students are like, this is super depressing. I thought we were in a class about happiness and here you are having us think about our death. And I'm like, no, this is actually not an exercise about death. It's about life. Mm -hmm. What life do you want to live? At the end of it, how do you want to be remembered? What legacy do you want to live? And articulating that highlights what matters to you. What are your values? What are your goals? And thinking about your life overall, how you want to live the years of your life, that then informs how you spend your hours. And so it does start, the decisions that we make are hour by hour, but it is informed by what we want in our lives overall. And there are also sort of pieces or exercises in the book that helps you uncover what does matter. And it's so easy to forget and make decisions not in line with what matters because we're just reacting to what feels urgent and what these sort of incoming requests. And it's reactive as opposed to proactive and making sure that we prioritize and spend time on those things that matter. And so what that broader time perspective does is it makes people spend in line with what's important to them, not just what feels urgent. And interestingly, the times left exercise that I just shared, what that highlights is that something that is absolutely important, that time for me, that 30 minutes with my daughter, it often gets, or it's so easy for it to get neglected because it doesn't seem urgent. But when you count the times left, it highlights just how urgent these really simple pleasures, like that's the joy in our life. It's these little moments that are right there in front of us that we're so, and it's not like, it's bad that <laughs> like we're bad people by not noticing and being distracted. I mean, there's lots of, there, our psychological tendency to hedonically adapt explains why mm-hmm. that we're subject to this. But then how do we make choices and sort of not trick ourselves, but remind ourselves to pay attention, to notice those joys, to be in the moment, to be with the people that we're with while we're with them, as opposed to distracted and missing out on the happiness that's right there in the time that we're already spending. So beautiful, so important, so inspiring and just helpful to have you reminding us of that. And knowing, Cassie Holmes, how mindful and purposeful you are about your time and your phone and social media and distractions, how can readers get in touch with you, connect with you, follow you? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I am. I sort of practice what I teach and I'm yeah. not really on social media. I am on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And so I know it's frustrating because it's harder to find me. <laughs> but I do have a website. Um, www.cassiemholmes.com. And there you can find out more about the book 
as well as um, the research that underlies the book and where I am. So it's a good landing page, but I'm really happy that Happier Hour is out in the world. So, you, you know, folks can get the insights right there. Wonderful. Yes. And, and what advice would you give to an aspiring writer? <laughs> Carve out the time, make the time, the couple of hours in the day, close the door, put your phone away, close out of email, maybe, you know, put a pretty thing of flowers next to you to make it feel like a joyful space and make the time if it's important to you. Make the time and beat the distraction and focus on what matters most with Happier Hour by Cassie Holmes. Cassie, thank you so much for writing this important and inspiring book. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 